Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Suns show. That's at the Loyal Suns on all of your social medias. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you will not want to miss. If you love Phil Dracovic and hate that four members of the ACC are actively trying to tank the conference, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, brought to you by Section 5. My name is David. I am joined by my co-hosts Dylan and Squid, who does not own a lamp. And we are here for a great episode today. So much exciting stuff. The scrimmage occurred yesterday. Today is Sunday. Yesterday was Saturday. The scrimmage occurred. Realignment continues to exist, unfortunately. And uh, Elijah Zeiss joined the show, which you will hear in just a few minutes. And uh, we had a surprise guest as well stop by. Uh, but before we get to all of that good stuff, gentlemen, how are we doing? I feel pretty good just based on what I've been hearing from the scrimmage, from camp. Um, I am getting very antsy and very excited for this pit football season. Oh, yeah, I'm super hyped. One, because we just recorded the segment you'll be hearing in a few minutes, and it starts off joking about some of the craziness that happened during Elijah's pit career, some of the the wild and wacky losses and the ups and downs. But by the end, you'll be tearing up and or running through a brick wall because it gets you juiced up for pit football. It got existential. Like like what it truly means to be like a pit man and a pit fan, like what the program represents to people. Um, our special guest, guest really uh, brought the house down. It's Uncle Dick. It's Uncle Dick, our stats and info department. He stopped by a uh, long friend of the show and of Elijah's Ices. So uh, he he got us in our feels. But, yeah, uh, but also on top of that, hearing some pretty, pretty, pretty good things about our new quarterback. So sh- should we go there? Or I the mean, breaking news sound. Then I'm not. Then I'm not. Wait, wait, Dylan, make the make the train noise. Chugga, 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 choo, choo. All, is... all aboard the Dracovic hype train. It is leaving the station. So you're probably wondering what all those sounds could possibly mean. Um, So yesterday was the scrimmage, um, the big, you know, training camp scrimmage that no media is allowed to go to. And we can only ever hear rumors about. Um, So the the loyal sons did not sneak in. Uh, We need to do that one year. That'd be very funny. Uh, But the rumors that we are hearing out of the scrimmage are that. Phil Dracovic tore it the fuck up like like absolute laser show and I'll I'll be honest we heard it from like two maybe three people and they all could have heard it from the same source but you know what we're not gonna do we're not gonna ask questions when we're handed good news because that would that would not be very loyal sons of us but David didn't you see those two wobbly passes that were shown in that one minute highlight video shut up squid yeah, well, those are two of the passes. We've been hearing all of training camp. Pitt's been taking some deep shots. This isn't last year's. They don't trust Slovis to make more than one read on a passing play. Uh, Dracovic staying in the pocket and taking shots deep to a bunch of guys. Word in the street. Yeah, 
sounds like they are airing the ball out and Phil is doing a damn good job with it. He's confident. These guys like him. He's a local guy, obviously his first year with the program, but these guys can relate to Phil. He's a football guy. He's a team guy. And it kind of sounds like Phil Dracovic is leading us to the promised land. Now, I, I know a lot of you at home are probably pretty skeptical of this and you have every right to be uh, because last year we had a highly touted. No, 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 no. This is going somewhere. No, no, stop. Uh, last year we had a highly touted transfer who we put a lot of hopes and dreams into their ability to reclaim, you know, what they looked like in previous years, uh, maybe a little bit injury prone, a lot of question marks. And we convinced ourselves this person is a Heisman dark horse. They can take us to places we've never been. The team around them is so solid. And we were let down. And a, a lot of you are thinking that and have really tempered your expectations about Phil Dracovic and what he can do for this team. But fuck that. We, the loyal sons, have decided we aren't we aren't doing any of that. We are we are here. We are loyal, and we are all aboard the Phil Dracovic hype train. And why wouldn't we be? He looks insane. He has been playing insane. Okay, maybe he's a little pudgy for QB1 standards. I don't know. I've seen some pictures coming out of camp. Yeah, he looks a little thick. We'll, we'll, We'll just leave it at that. But you know what? Who else was a thick quarterback throwing bombs at Heinz Field? Guy who won two Super Bowls for us. So uh, I've heard he's looking Big Ben-esque in camp thus far. Yeah, I mean, who wants a California skinny quarterback? Been there, done that, didn't work. The city of Pittsburgh needs a big old boy. Big boy from Gibsonia. Big boy from Gibsonia. Um, No, this city lives for... A big old boy just wearing linebackers off of the head, delivering balls downfield, extending the play. And and that's what we're getting this year. And we're winning the national championship. Too far? Maybe. You can pump okay. the brakes a little All bit. Right, well, but... After we beat Wofford, we'll probably get there. Yeah. For those watching on the YouTube, Squid, are you like, can you see anything? You know what? There have been a few comments about me. In the lighting, uh, I think I'm just gonna take it in stride. I'm not turning my lamp on. I could, but yeah, now you're just showing yeah. off those pit stains. So we didn't have to do that. <laughs> so whenever the sun goes down, it goes down. It'll be brighter the next segment. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, <laughs> so. I guess suffice to say this week's Heipsman trophy is going to go to Phil Dracovic. And we're we're all very bought in now. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard all I've needed to hear from the people I trust. And you know what? Football is less than 3 weeks away. We'll be on the North Shore. Only what do we have? Two Saturdays that we we won't be spending on the North Shore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have time to be cautionary to uh, this. Uh, no, Phil is going to be very good. We are going to be very good, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. 
plain and simple. It's decided. Love it. Well, without further ado, here is Elijah's Ice. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with Homefield this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis. There's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Please welcome back to the show our good friend and college football Hall of Famer, the night killer, the dog soldier, former pit linebacker, Elijah Zeiss. Elijah, how you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing real well. Um, I'm excited for the season to get, get started. Like I can't I can't wait for, for football to start back up again. Um, you know, these last couple of weeks. Just like us, you know, getting all the logistics and stuff for uh, the Notre Dame trip in the uh in Morgantown. Like I'm just I'm pumped for this season. So I've been good. You're gonna make it up for the brawl? I wasn't sure if you were Yeah, yeah, I'll be here. I'll be here. Um, Nick James getting married the next weekend. So I literally, I figured I'd just send a 10 day, uh, you know, 10 day binge in Pittsburgh. So I'm going to come in that Thursday, uh, go to the game and then be there for the week leading up to his wedding. So I'm pissed, pissed you name dropped the Penn Stater. <laughs> yeah. What are your expectations for Morgantown on and off the field? Um, well, uh, <laughs> on the field, I think, you know, I haven't seen anything. Um, to make us you know, make me believe that we shouldn't win by like 40 points, <laughs> just absolutely stomp them. Um, so there's going to be a lot of uh, going to be a lot of sad hoopies in the stands. And, you know, as far as off the field goes, um, I mean, I, I imagine it'll be kind of like when we went to Knoxville, but like just <laughs> a much higher level, like just the amount of debauchery, and um, less than PC things that we will be saying to fans. <laughs> uh, or, or having said back to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it'll be a time and a half. I'm excited. I love going on those trips with you because, like, opposing fans, they'll see someone, like, squirrely, like, mere squid and be like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to get one. And then you're you're in the back. You're a nuclear deterrent because like, people see you and they're like, ah, maybe not. Maybe not <laughs> yeah. this one. Another yeah. group, perhaps. And come out of nowhere just <laughs> screaming <laughs> some, like, absolutely degenerate, like, shit just at them. <laughs> Is he jumping over a row of bleachers? <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. I remember when we were in Knoxville, I was just having, like, a casual, like, peaceful conversation with some, like, 19-year-old kid. <laughs> and, uh, like, it was very, very cordial, but 
you know, that night had gotten a little like there, there was some tension between us and the, the volunteer fans. Words and, are uh, said. Yeah, Elijah just comes up behind me and just like gives me like quiet, like, do, do we need to clean this guy up or what's going on? I was like, no, no, he's cool. He's cool. But it's always good to know that you're always watching. You're always lurking. Yeah, it was funny. I like took took a couple shots uh, to the dome and then went to the bathroom. And when I came out of the bathroom, I like saw you and like Brandon over there. And it's like the conversation, I'm sure it was chill, but it like kind of just looked a little bit like animated. <laughs> so I like sprinted over. I'm like, yeah, I better yeah, see what's going on over there. You're like, no, no, he's good. He's good. <laughs> it was such Jeez. a such a such an experience. Those trips are a good time. You said you're you're going to make Notre Dame too. Oh yeah, yeah. We're flying in. Uh, I think Thursday night, so we're going to stay there um, Thursday night, and then when all, all you guys get there on Friday, um, so it should be a another fun time. It's like pretty from where we're at here in Florida. It's a little bit uh, hard to get to, but uh, <laughs> it should be it should be fun. We have to drive like two hours to the Orlando airport and fly into the Chicago like Midway airport and then drive another like hour from there. So it'll be interesting, but you know, there's no amount of distance. I won't travel to uh, (laughs) come and see pit football. So yeah, that'll be a very different experience. Probably won't be many fights in Notre Dame. We'll just probably get our ears beaten off about how good they were back in like the 1920s nonstop. I'm like, all right, Time to shut up now. Newt Rockney <laughs> won 50 straight games. Newt Rockney's been dead for 60 years. Thank you very yeah. much for the history lesson. Might try and might try and cop like a, a Catholics versus convicts like <laughs> like a throwback t-shirt or something like that. You think Narduzzi would let the team show up in fatigues to that game? <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> We need to make a bunch of t-shirts of like the literal Notre Dame in France burning to the ground and <laughs> yeah. hand them out to players, fans, anybody. I'm sure most of them just wouldn't get it. <laughs> what do you did you ever get Narduzzi's takes on like did he have any takes on Notre Dame? I feel like Narduzzi's very passionate about everything. I feel like he would either be like, This is a great opportunity, you're playing in one of the most historic programs ever, or just like, Yeah, I hate them. They're they, they think they're better than us. That yeah, it's more. It's more the latter. <laughs> he, yeah, <laughs> he's not one for. He's not one for hanging on to tradition and, and uh, sentiment when it comes to other teams. He's kind of like they're a bunch of arrogant son of bitches, and like <laughs> they think that their shit don't stink. Like all kinds of shit like that. Um, and you definitely feel that uh, going into the game weeks too. Like there's a, a definitely you don't want to treat opponents differently but there's definitely like an added edge uh for games like that where it's like there is that tradition like and even if like the team just sucks like this year like the tradition means nothing to Narduzzi so was there a pump-up speech like pre-game or like the weekly up to a game that Narduzzi gave that still sticks with you for being like extra ridiculous or extra motivating um Hmm. Gotta, I, yeah, I got to think about that one. Uh, there was, I mean, the first year that we played Penn State was like just an all time. Like there wasn't one specific speech that I remember, but it was like, 
it was just like an all time, like different experience. Like uh, I'm sure you've heard about how like um, paranoid he is. And so like for most of that week, he had, uh, he had us working out, uh, like doing practice in the indoor, despite it being like 90 degrees (laughs) outside, we were in the indoor the entire week. The indoor was like kind of locked down. So you couldn't like get in without like signing in and, and like without them knowing who you are, which is, funny because like the one parking lot is on the other side of the indoor and most anyone who's going to the facility if they park on that side they always just walk through and so for that week uh he basically just shut that down he was like you're not coming in here if you don't need to be in here and there's like a ton of um you know like the Steelers guys who don't park in the in the front lot trying to get through and he was basically just telling them like yeah you, you can't do that and um there was uh um, I can't remember exactly the speech, but it was along the lines of like the first team meeting uh, in the, the Monday um, leading into that week. Um, I can't remember exactly what he was saying, but he was <laughs> he was pre- pretty much just like kind of shitting on James Franken a, a bunch and like, you know, just like how Penn State is just like, you know, again, another type of team that just thinks their shit don't stink. Um, you know, kind of just stuff like that. And then I think the next year, um, I want to say the next year we played there, the third year when we, um, when they're coming back to Heinz Field, um, you know how after the second game um, with them, we lost in Happy Valley. And James Franklin was like quoted as he's saying, like, last year when they beat us, it was like the Super Bowl. This year it's kind of like beating Akron. Well, the first, the first thing we saw, like the, before the third game, it was like, <laughs> you put it up on the screen. Like we showed up for a team meeting on that, that Tuesday morning and he just put on the screen that, that, uh, that interview or whatever. And, you know, we were kind of like all looking around and you could see their dudes up there just like, like, like steaming. Like he had been waiting all year. <laughs> for this, um, like use this uh, clip or whatever. Um, yeah. It clearly helped the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um <laughs> this point the funny thing about that game is is there's nothing I, funny no, about that game. No. There's not a yeah, damn thing. <laughs> like, like there is nothing worse than being in the middle of an argument with a Penn State fan and they just throw fifty one six in your face and you're kinda of just like I guess you fucking got me on that one. I <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. But Well you the, can always say like, no, you played in that game. <laughs> yeah. you, you definitely suited up and played for the team you root for. Yeah. And you always have that in your back pocket. That's true. Um, he would have rather not suited up for that game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing about that, like, I like think about all the time is when going into halftime, the score was like six to seven or something like that. Like, I like remember thinking like we had this game, like we're right there. And then I like we had to have like blacked out or something because I like don't being in the game. I don't remember the game like getting out of hand at any point. Like even if it was like 44, 44 <laughs> to six, I was like thinking like, yeah, we're still like we're still kind of in this game. Like I like there was no point during the game where I like really felt like we were like getting shit on. Uh, it kind of just like came. <laughs> just came on like real fast and like the the end middle of the third quarter for the rest of the game like i 
it was definitely an ass beating, you know, based on the score. But like when I look back at that game, it just doesn't feel like it was. It was the, really yeah, it was the closest 50-6 game of all time. I've been saying it for <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah, I had a yeah, similar exactly. experience. I was walking through the concourse at halftime, and there was this like arrogant Penn State fan walking around like, oh, you guys are so scared. This game's over. I'm like, dude, it's like 10 to 6 right now, or like <laughs> like 7 to 6. Like, shut up. Yeah. We like muffed the punt, like missed an extra point. Like, we're fine. And then we just ended up not being fine. Yeah, it literally went downhill like so fast. I like like feel life of me. I still can't even like recall what took place in the second half of that game. Well, since we're on the subject of those type of games, do you remember what do you remember from the Oklahoma State game with Mason Rudolph and James Washington? Um were you the, hurt at that point? I was hurt for the first game. Um when they played uh when we played down there. Um Oh yeah, I was more I was more so thinking about the game where they had like yeah. thirty five points at the When they came game. up here, yeah, I like mm. that was just a <laughs> that was a very interesting game. Um just because like they like just put up a ton of <laughs> points on us. And they were just like airing it out like the entire game. Like I remember thinking like during that game, like I really haven't done shit all game. Like it's, it's kind of like like to be a linebacker in this game, like there's not really anything going on. They just kind of just kept throwing bombs down the field. You were and just I'm, out like, there running. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I like after like James Washington probably caught like his like fourth touchdown or whatever. It was a point where I was like, like starting to feel bad for our DBs and stuff, I guess. But like, again, I like just remember like my take on that game was like, I don't remember really doing shit. Like, like we were watching film of us and we probably didn't even watch the entire film. Like just as the linebackers, because it's pretty much, it's pretty much just the same shit for like 86 plays or kind of just like, you know, just in a front row seat to the Mason Rudolph and yeah. James Washington show. Exactly, and um, you had three tackles. I'm looking at the box score now, so I yeah, I, not I nothing. I couldn't remember anything. Uh, the one that I there's a serious question. I do remember. I do remember. It's funny looking back because now, uh, like I said, I really didn't do anything for that game. But going into that week, we were. Um, like when we were watching film and like scouting uh, the team, uh, they had this one, uh, I'm not sure what his name was, but they had this offensive tackle who was legitimately like the biggest motherfucker I have ever seen. Like he was like, this dude was like six, eight and just like, like built. And he was the guy that I was like in charge of, like trying to like, you know, try and get up on and like kind of, you know, he would be the guy trying to block me. Um, and so I was tasked all week with like trying to shed his block and like kind of, you know, get my gap. Um, and I just remember thinking all week, like, like I, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this, but like this, <laughs> this motherfucker is fucking huge. And I'm just like looking at him on film. And so we get into the game and do we have a name for this guy? Yeah. I can't remember his name, but I, I get in, I get into what I can, I get into the game and it's, like, one of the first series, and I, like, line up across from him. And, like, this dude is even more fucking big than <laughs> I thought he was going to be. Like, he's just, like, staying – he's, like, towering over there. I'm, like, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> like I got to do something with this. And then, again, it, 
ended up just being a pretty boring game for for us the entire game. I didn't really have to do anything, but uh, I do remember thinking of that, <laughs> thinking about that the entire week. Was it Aaron Cochran by any chance? Seventy eight. No, I yeah. Seventy eight. Seventy eight sounds familiar. Yeah. Six foot eight, three hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, this dude was a unit. <laughs> they probably decided to air it out because they didn't like that matchup on their end. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. One can only hope. Yeah. I do have a serious question though. A little bit about camp right now. Whenever you're at Pitt, your four years, Pitt won eight games, eight games, five games, and seven games. Did you ever have like any idea of how good the team was during camp? Like, did you think, wow, we might be really good and ended up not being good, or vice versa? Did you ever have a day in camp where, like, does our team just kind of stink? No, I think, I think for the most part, it's usually like general, like, general optimism. But at the same time, like, camp is so long that, like, like the first couple of days, you're like, yeah, this. Like, we look good. We feel good. Like, it's going to be a good season. And then, like, honestly, by the time you get to, like, that, there's, like, a stretch in between, like, I want to say the Thursday of the second week and the Thursday of the third week, where it's, like, just, like, the absolute dog days of camp. And, like, at that point, you're kind of just, like, you're just kind of sick of shit. Like, you're, you know, trying to just kind of bang out the the last couple of days. Like, you're, like, kind of blacking out at that point and i think from that point of camp on it's like it's pretty hard to like kind of judge how you feel about the team at that point because you're kind of just like you're just trying to make it through at this point like not get hurt you're trying to you know carve out a spot for yourself um on the uh in the starting five so i don't think there's ever been a time where during camp i thought to myself like yeah we're probably gonna suck suck this year um but I think for the most part, I mean, it's usually general optimism during during August. Like, even if the team sucks, like, you feel like, yeah, I mean, we're going we're gonna to clean some shit up this this year. Like, that's kind of just how you, you feel most of the time. So that's then if, it, if a team does suck that you're on, at what point do you usually – I know you aren't really accustomed to it because Pitt's the – best college football program in the world and you went to the university of north allegheny before that so you didn't lose a lot but when you did at what point typically did the realization dawn of like oh we're ass um it'd probably be your like third 2017 that 2017 yeah. that was a pretty bad year like you guys yeah. kind of stunk yeah, it's funny too because like when you're in it, like when you look back on it, you're just like, yeah, or you kind of suck. But when you're like in it in the moment, like it just feels, it always just feels like you're one or two like plays from like, you know, we could just be, be really good. Like, you know, it's it's kind of that old like, you know, everyone says it. You know, we're not what we what our schedule or what our record is. Like we we're, you know, we're really good. We're really talented. We're you know we're you know. Just need to clean some things up. Yeah, <laughs> less 10, penalties. Just, like, you know, we could have been twelve and zero if you know, you know, we had a bunch of different. Like it's kind of like that. I don't think there is. There was definitely a point during that season um, where I don't know that I <laughs> thought we were like we were like suck, but I definitely was thinking like this. This could be like a you know, is a point in the season where I was kind of like 
yeah, like we might not make a bowl game like this, you know, we're going to try and get better here. You know, like we're there, we're playing ball like that's, you know, the end of the day, that's all it is. Um, record, regardless of the record, like, you you know, we're kids who are getting our college paid for, like they're there playing ball, like we're going to do it anyway. Um, yeah. Then you just clean up number two, Miami. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Simple like, as that. <laughs> But there is definitely a point where like you're kind of like, yeah, the season's like not going the way we wanted to, uh, to say, um, to say it in the nicest way. Um, and I think the hardest one, like, was at the end of that season, we lost that heartbreaker to uh, Virginia Tech, where uh, Jester Wee like got tackled, <laughs> got tackled by the shoestrings on like the two yard line, and then four plays we couldn't get it in. Um, I think. After that loss, um, was like I don't want to say that I went home feeling like we sucked, but I definitely <laughs> went home feeling like, dude, like this sucks, like this is awful, like we just can't catch a break. Um, like I, I do remember like that game specifically, just being like, like this shit. <laughs> I'm just tired of this shit. <laughs> Um, but then we, you know, we kind of just picked ourselves up and, and then, yeah, we came and played Miami and we weren't really, I guess we didn't have a bowl game to go to or anything like that. So we weren't playing for anything per se, but, um, we came out and just, again, we were boys just playing. So. Yeah. And the legend of Kenny Pickett starts and I mean, exactly. I can keep going. Actually, I was thinking about it. Uh, I was listening to, um, you guys is uh, I was listening to the the peak interview from last week um, just on my walk today, and uh, you know I heard him. Uh, you guys were telling him about how you guys watched the UCF uh, game, and he was you know saying that you guys should just watch a bunch of losses like like classic losses, and it kind of got me thinking just like about um, a lot of the <laughs> classic losses that even I had just been involved in. Um, and you know, you guys obviously brought up that Houston one, um, which, like, <laughs> oh yes, you know, I love talking about about the Houston game because it's that honestly is the <laughs> one of the craziest things I ever, ever been on the sideline for. Um, we um, so I can talk about that one a little bit. Um, Dive in, please do. Yeah. So um, yeah, definitely. Was a hilarious. It was the Armed Forces Bowl um, in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and this was right after. Um, <laughs> it was actually just a hilarious uh, chain of events because it's right when uh, Chris left, so we really didn't have a coach for the bowl game. Um, and so, leading up to the bowl game, like right after Chris left, we were like talking to. Um, as freshmen, we were like talking to a lot of like the older guys who had like been around for a while. And obviously before Chris had gotten there, there had been like a whole bunch of coach changes and stuff. So they had the older, a lot of the older guys had been through like going through bowl season without like an actual like coach or like, you know, different coach changes or whatever. And they were like basically telling us like, it's like pretty much just a free for all during bowl season. Like there's no coach, like you can pretty much do whatever you want. Like practice is just like a, you know, like a, a shit show, basically, like you kind of show up, do whatever. And then, you know, it doesn't matter what the whoever the interim guy is, like, it doesn't matter what, what the fuck he wants, like, he's not going to do, you know, doesn't mean shit. So you basically, um, you know, we spent um, 
most of the bowl season kind of just like um, just kind of like dicking around like after practice stuff like just once finals are, are over like it's pretty much just us on campus um, and uh, we have like a fat like per diem check or whatever like to feed us um, and uh, we kind of just like have practice a couple hours a day but other than that like we're pretty much our time is our own so we just spent a lot of time just like dicking around like for for most of that uh, bowl season um, and then we get to the bowl game and I remember it's funny um, like Texas you always think like Texas is like a pretty like warm like place like you always kind of think of it as a warm place and so in my two experiences down there it's like it's definitely like been like the coldest of like a lot of the time that I even spent in Pittsburgh. Like it's some of the coldest uh, weather I've ever been in was when I was in Texas. Um, But that first day that we got to Texas, it was like, it was probably like 55 degrees and sunny, which it was probably like, you know, low twenties back in Pittsburgh. So when we first got there, like we were like, this is awesome. Like it's so warm. Like guys are practicing without their shirts on and stuff like that. And then that was the warmest it got. But <laughs> the next day it was like literally like negative 20, like, like <laughs> extremely cold, like extremely cold. It was like raining and like snowing sideways. Like they, we were like talking to like locals there. So they like hadn't snowed there in forever and they just happened to start snowing there. Um, and so that was basically the weather for the game too. Like it was like extremely cold. Um, like I said, you know, extremely cold, um, raining sideways, snowing sideways. Like all of uh, all of us, like young guys, were on the on the um, sideline, just like kind of trying to share those big like uh, like sideline coats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like whenever the defense would go on onto the field, like for their drive, we would all get the coats, and so we would just be hoping that they would just be on the field forever. And then you know they'd come back, we have to give the coats back, and like kind of try and go by the like the big heaters or whatever um so that's like basically how the the setup uh of like the, just the environment of the game was the actual game um started off pretty good yeah i mean i don't even like <laughs> the game itself was like so much fun like most of the like the action of the game happened in the last three minutes and like 30 seconds of the game like that's really what I remember. The most of the game, it was like pretty much we had it. It was like 30 to six for like a long portion of the game. And, um, you know, James was looking good. Um, the offense was looking good. T Boyd was like, you know, doing T Boyd stuff. Um, the defense was, you know, holding, um, I guess, I think the quarterback was like uh, Greg Ward jr. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the defense was looking like pretty solid. Like everyone was like on the sidelines, like having a good time. Um, you know, we had the guys like you know, the younger guys are kind of like turning around, like <laughs> fucking around in the stand, like fans, uh, like their family who traveled, like are up there. Um, we had coaches who were like kind of fucking around. Like everyone's like kind of, you know, we're getting to that point where like we feel like we definitely have it, you know. So like, everyone's like. Um, talking like coaches and, and players who are like getting ready to transfer and like get out of there, like talking about their plans for the future. Like, you know, we're like all just kind of like having the, the hanging out. Our, yeah. The time of our lives on the uh, sideline. I don't, I don't forget. Um, uh, 
two of the freshmen were like kind of standing like on the sideline and the one, his mom, his mom was like in the stands, like trying to get him to turn around to like, so they could take a picture of him and his friend, whatever. And he was like trying to play it cool. Uh, you know, cause the, you didn't want the coaches to hear whatever. And the one coach, uh, he was our receivers coach at the time, uh, Greg Lewis. He like comes over. He's like, the kid's name was Curly. He comes over. He's like, Curly, your mom's trying to get a picture, man. Turn around. And he kind of just like got in the picture with him <laughs> to take the picture. Like we were just like fooling around on the sidelines. Morale was high. Yeah. Like we, yeah. Um, and so. Just, just for context for, I mean, most Pitt fans should know, but for some younger Pitt fans, I'm looking at the game cat. So it was 31 to six with five twelve left in the game. Or sorry, that was third quarter. It was 34-13 with 429 left. Yeah. 429. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So they so from that point, um I wanna say what happened was they scored on um I forget what the first score of that stretch was. I think it was like a it was like a fade ball. Um to someone and they caught it in the end zone, I think. And that was a touchdown. And I remember us on the sideline, like kind of thinking like, like, Oh, they're coming back. Like you know, <laughs> just kind of joking around. Um, and then they like line up for an onside kick, obviously. We're like, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, I guess that's what you got to do. You know, kind of just, you know, our little comments on the sideline, they get the onside kick and uh, we're like still not worried because like we're still up by a significant amount. Um, they get the onside kick, and I think it takes some. I, I think it takes them all of like two or three plays to get down the field and score. There's, <laughs> I think, uh, coach. I think it was Coach House at the time who was playing like some bullshit like cover two, and they just kept running like. Uh, uh, like a trips, like three vert. And the guy was like kind of just cutting through the middle of the safety. And he was wide open on every single play. And we were like kind of watching the two safeties just like spread apart. And we we're like, dude, are you fucking joking? So the dude caught the ball and they went down and scored again. And we were like, you know, still kind of like joking a little bit. Like, you know I mean? Now they're really coming back. Like, you know, like kind of like, no, everyone's like kind of just like, you know, we're good. We're good. Yeah. All right. Then they come out to get another uh, onside kick. They line up for another onside kick. And at this point, we're, like, feeling pretty confident. Like, you know, onside kicks are very unlikely to begin with two in a row. Like, come on. Get the hell out of here. (laughs) Yeah. So then they kick the second one. And I think the second one is the one where it, it, like, Nick Grigsby, uh, we call him Freeze, he – I believe was in like perfect position to just get it. But somehow it like went through his legs, bounced off like his back leg and like landed perfectly for the, the uh, Houston guys to just jump on it. And so they jumped on it. And we were all on the sideline. Like, are you shitting me? We, we like had no idea, like how, even how to react. Like we were just standing there just like, like just completely shocked. So then um, the last drive comes and I honestly, I can't remember how they scored on the last one. It was a uh, DeMarcus Ayers 29 yard pass from Greg Ward on a fourth and 13. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the type of shit we were dealing with. Yeah. Um, but they, so they scored that. And, uh, oh, wait, no, that was, sorry, that was one of the previous touchdowns. The next one was the uh, Greg Ward to Greenberry in the end zone, it looks like. Okay. I think, I think that one, the one, I think that one then might have just been the one I was talking about where they were just in cover two the entire way down and they ran through. I think that was the one they scored to like tie it up. I think earlier, I think the touchdown I missed was, it was a run. <laughs> it was a run. Uh, and uh, I'll like never forget this play. It, w- it was a run around. It was an outside. It's like an outside zone. And they come running around the corner. It's probably like from the 15 yard line or something. And the running back had the ball and he just like uh, Lafayette Pitts was like kind of on a block, like trying to like contain the run or whatever. The dude like kind of just <laughs> like hit stick. Uh, Lafayette like four yards back into the end zone he like kind of fell down and the dude just like kind of spiked the ball and it like (laughs) he spiked the ball pretty much on Lafayette (laughs) and I remember we were like (laughs) we were on the sidelines like kind of like just dying like because it was like hilarious (laughs) honestly um well, Houston only scored on that last drive they went for two and got it to take the yeah so so that um, they got the the touchdown and um, which made it what 30 uh, 30 31 at that point <laughs> and we're like all right well we'll just we'll, you know we still got time left we'll just go we'll clean this up with a field goal like we'll be fine and then they um, like we'll clean it up with a last minute field goal uh, or we'll just go to overtime we'll be fine then we see like instead of the extra point team coming out we see them just coming back out again like their offense coming back out and we're like kind of just on the sideline like there's no fucking way like we're we're really about to lose this game um they come out and they run like some um i want to say it was like a trips uh the two outside guys ran like um uh two like 5 yard ins and then the third guy ran a corner and I like we were watching the play and the dude who was running the corner route was like uh, when he eventually got the ball thrown to him, he like wasn't really that open. But when he should have gotten the ball, he he was standing in the end zone, like completely unguarded. Like we were standing in the side. I could see it perfectly. We're like, dude, like he's wide ass open. And for whatever reason, I guess maybe the maybe our rush like kind of. Uh, drove him out of the pocket or whatever, so he couldn't see him. But when Greg Ward like threw the ball, like he was like kind of the dude was a little bit covered. Um, he still caught it, but I just remember like seeing how wide open the dude was in the end zone. I'm like, it just wasn't wasn't in the stars for us today. So then we get the ball back. We're still like at this point, there's still like a minute, a minute, ten seconds, some some shit like that left, and we get the ball um, and we're like trying to drive down the field. And forget what happens exactly. Like we get to probably like midfield and we're trying to like get into, into field goal range and we run like two plays. So like incomplete passes or something like that. Um, And then we run another one and T Boyd is like wide open streaking down the middle. Like this isn't like automatic, like, like 20, 25 yard gain. We're right in field goal range or like, you know, the game is ours. You know, he's wide open 
he like gets the ball, like the ball comes to him and he kind of just like hits it and like, just like, you know, the ball just goes straight down to the ground. Like it hits his hands perfectly and just kind of goes to the ground. And at that point, everyone on the sidelines is kind of looking at each other like, like it's done. It's a wrap. T. Boyd's dropping passes. That's, that's all. (laughs) That's all she wrote. It was never. Yeah. This was never our game to win. If he's dropping passes like this, like, it is what it is. So he dropped it, and then fourth down came, and I don't know. I, I think Voidic like you know scrambled around like, <laughs> like however you know Voidic usually uh, scrambled around, and uh, the uh, game ended after that, and <laughs> it was just like absolute silence in the locker room after that. I like remember sitting in my locker like just trying to like defall and uh, just not hearing a word, just like. <laughs> It was just stone silent. I think that to this day is still like the worst loss that I think I ever experienced at Pitt. I mean, how upset could you really be about a bowl game where you didn't have your head coach? I mean, I know how ugly you guys ended up losing it, but ah, like silver lining, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I do remember just like kind of thinking like, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. And the, the worst part about it was just like how embarrassing it was because like obviously having that lead and then just everything that happened, like that was, that's the worst part that I think is like, it was just so, it's just so bad. Yeah. If you lose the armed forces bowl, most sports fans don't know, but I specifically remember that being like the lead, highlight on the sports side of the next yeah, day. It's like, wow, look how bad Pitt fucked this up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Might have, I think it might have been the next year, actually. The next year where we, against Georgia Tech, where we got <laughs> they put 28 points up on us. Like This is a like, great time. Wait, Elijah, wait, we have wait, a special guest joining. What's, we have, what's we're this? Getting, this is getting crashed. We're getting crashed. Look who it is. <laughs> Wow. And the loyal son stats department, Uncle Dick. What a surprise. Fresh in from Bradford, Pennsylvania, the oil high grade oil metropolis of the world. (laughs) Many of you are familiar with it. Please go and visit before it uh, is returned completely back to nature. And it just uh, (laughs) is absorbed by the Allegheny National uh, National Forest. (laughs) Uncle Dick. Elijah was just telling us about uh, that game. Well, he just told us a whole long story about the Armed Forces Bowl. I'm sure you. Uh... No, no, I just and, I, I I've been I'm able to sit upright finally after years and years after that. Do you, do you guys know the Gabe Roberts story about his Armed Forces Bowl ball that I think that they destroyed, kind of like the Steve Bartman ball. I think something to that. <laughs> that effect. I'm not privy to this story. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that. Oh, oh, okay. So, well, well, uh, you know, Bill, Bill, Billy, as I will call him, my my son is, you know, good, pretty good friends. Cousin with, Bill, yeah, correct. He he's pretty good friends with uh, with Gabe, and you know, and he was there, you know, in, in Fort Worth, and he showed they lived together for a brief time on the South Side, and he had his his official, you know, his ball, you know, part of his bling or whatever from the from the game. And I and I, I I guess I'll have to make sure I've got it with 100 percent authority, but I'm pretty sure that they did destroy it in some manner. 
So um, this is to whet your appetite for future episodes. If I'm so, uh, you know, and by the way, happy to be here. Um, but if I'm, I'm privileged enough to be on this, I can give you a full tour of what, what damage was done, what permanent damage was done to our house at the end of that game. Uh, <laughs> there's actually three separate uh, uh, incidents and and uh let's see let me one think. for every onside kick is that- <laughs> no no it all happened at once so you gotta remember it was at christmas time so so the first casualty was well no the, the the first casualty was a punch to the wall in our basement that is covered by a a pit pennant now so so that i can very easily show you but the second casualty was a um a jolly ranchers you know one of those candy cane filled jolly rancher things whatever that was fired against the the wall that's that shattered in the corner of our basement so so there's there's quite a quite a a wound that was created there only to be topped by the punch to the garage door outside which is four distinct knuckle marks uh, which we again we have it all documented and and for what it's worth let me think how many people, uh, uh, Adam Biznawati, Brian O'Neill, Artie Roll, Gabe Roberts, and Dave Murphy have all uh, personally been given that tour. And we'll call it the Armed Forces Tour. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. Great memories from that. Yeah, yeah indeed. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm sad. I mean, if you wish for me in, in this occasion to just, because because that was, that could have been the turning point. Think about it. Pat Narduzzi was at that game. And, and so <laughs> if you think about it, it's like, okay, Pat, here it is. This is us. This, this is being. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and my analogy for that game was, it's like, can you know, picture, hey, did you guys hear that the Titanic sank? You know, and well, how did it sink? Oh, well, the Hindenburg crashed into it. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just a disaster on top of a disaster. Because if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't one. It was did did didn't two uh, onside kicks just roll through the legs of yes of a pitch? Yeah, fight. yeah. So oh, yeah. so before uh, we get any further, I, I wanted to do a, a proper introduction. Um, Rich Uncle Dick, as we call him, is the loyal son Staten Info Department. If you follow us on Twitter, you've seen some of the statistics pulled from his personal spreadsheet of pit fun facts that he's been keeping for decades. Uh, Elijah, he had a couple questions for you. Um, so we, we threw him the link to the to the stream uh, and he's making his loyal son show debut. And uh, I'm Uncle Dick. I'm just going to leave it. Leave it to you, please. <laughs> You you want me to ask questions? I mean, here I guess I guess more than anything, right off, you know, just totally because I came hoping to get questions because if I'm not steered <laughs> in a very very precise direction, I'm going to give you 15 minutes as to why the closing of the original hot dog shop is a you know precursor for the apocalypse. You know that where you know you know what I mean that you know it's like that that's like the beginning of the end of the world. So I could go steering off on about a million different tangents and such but i mean i guess elijah i'll ask right up i mean you know so what what keeps a, a loyal son a loyal son i mean you know especially nowadays where you know people have choices to go 
all over the place, whatever. But what it what it is okay, number one is is there a secret sauce to pit? And and secondly, it's like what is it? And and what what compels people to to remain you know to become and remain Panthers? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a tough question. I think for me, um, you know, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. So, you know, I think for Pittsburgh kids, it should be like, uh, it should just be kind of tradition that like, that's what it is. Like kind of just growing up, being able to play for your hometown team. I think, you know, in the last, you know, for a while, you know, Pitt has always kind of been the uh, butt of a lot of jokes just because of, you know, the way we lose sometimes. And I think, uh, a lot of times that's what makes it hard to continue to be a, a loyal son. Um, and so I think that's, you know, from that standpoint, it's, you know, harder to recruit guys. Um, though I think in Narduzzi's time here, I, I think he's done a really good job of, you know, kind of building, building up that tradition back to what it was. Um, and also, you know, we still have those, those losses that like really just make you scratch your head. But I think, um, you know, in the last few years, we've had enough um, success that, you know, we're kind of turning the corner as far as um, that, you know, what it, that secret sauce, I guess, to, so to say, um, you know, guys are kind of buying in, um, not just guys on the team, but people who want to come to this program, who are looking at this program, like for a place to go, like, it's not a, you know, it's not something they look at and then kind of just, you know, skim over real quick and then they're out. It's more so, you know, really taking a good hard look at Pitt and what Pitt's about. And I think, you know, I think it starts with Narduzzi um, and just the type of guys that he brought in. I heard um, I was listening to you guys. Uh, uh, you guys talked to uh, Celine Brightwell um, and he kind of, you know, alluded to it a, a bunch is, you know, it's recruiting a lot of guys who, aren't, you know, big name guys like on 247 sports and stuff like that. You know, it's, you know, Narduzzi kind of has a, a good feel of the type of person that he wants to come into, um, to pit. And so I think it starts with that. It's a lot of, you know, regardless of where the stars are at, like just a lot of quality, good guys who are going to come in, who are going to put the work in maybe guys who have always, you know, felt like they were overlooked, um, stuff like that. And that's, you know, that combined with the coaching and the guys who care about you, um, that is our pit coaching staff. Like, I think those things combined are what make, you know, pit such a, a premier destination, um, or getting to that spot at, at this point. I think the secret sauce is Panther bombs. I'll just keep it simple. <laughs> Literally the secret sauce. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get the recipe from Cage, and I'll, I'll bring them, bring them for uh, Morgantown and uh, and uh, South Bend. Uncle Dick, are you going to Morgantown? I would never, under any circumstances, go to Morgantown. In fact, that my my son is under strict orders. If he comes, if I, I hear anything about you know, I mean, it was bad and. This is the the frustration is that I I love rivalries. You know, it's like I love I Pitt should be playing Pitt and or they should be playing Penn State and West Virginia every year. I mean, there's no question. There's been something gravely lost by you know these these rivalries kind of being watered down with all the stuff that's gone on with realignment and whatever. 
but it, it's it's but I would say the the experience from last uh, summer was great in the end result, of course. But it was like it it would be nice if it, I I I was I was not impressed with uh, <laughs> with, the, with that same fan base for many many respects. I mean, it's like let's just have some fun with this now. Having said that, I will be in South Bend on October 28th, and um, that that will be a blast. And and it's another thing about you know Pitt, Pitt's presence within the entire sphere of college football. I mean, it's like I, I'm I'm a, at the end of the day a realist. You know, I get it. Look at look at the stack deck in which you know we're we're competing against this program. You know, to these monster uh, uh, schools that that it just they care so much about it, right? Pitt is a smaller school. You know, we we were left for dead like a deer splattered on you know Route sixty six in Marionville, <laughs> you know whatever, you know in nineties, and and you know it it started kind of roughly in the Walt Harris era, but then you know definitely Pat has has done you know pretty impressive things in their time in the ACC, but. Think about what a stack deck that is compared to Ohio State, you know, to Penn State, to the mega programs in the SEC, whatever. So the fact that, you know, when I first met all you guys, you know, was in Knoxville two seasons ago and it was just awesome. And and I have a line here because you know I'm I'm checking in here from Minnesota where people here are like you know this is the University of Mars to to them and they don't they don't even pay attention right so what I don't care we went to Knoxville and 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 beat that team you know I mean that and and yes uh, Elijah to your point and then the next week they. Sh- Shit, they're paying. Am I allowed to say shit by the way on here? Oh, yeah, please yeah. do. Yeah, you insist that I do that. I mean, it's just like, of course, you know, we can't, we can't help ourselves in that regard. I mean, they, they literally could have gone undefeated that, that, that regular season, but you know what? Still won the, I mean, they still did turn pretty darn well. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to do, you know, even that, but, um, you know, you, as I say around here, you can't beat good teams if you don't play good teams. So the fact that this year they're going at West Virginia, they're going at Notre Dame, you know, they play Cincinnati. There's no, what is it? No other team playing three power five out of conference games. You know, I mean, you know, in, in these parts it's, well, you know, gosh, we've got, you know, the Texas Institute of laundry, you know, folding and, you know, we've got the, you know, the blind sisters of the, you know, deaf that are you know, playing or whatever. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh boy, we've rolled on them 56 and now that we look pretty good, you know, and then you crap your pants against your rival every single year, whatever. So Pitt doesn't bow from competition. That is a great credit to the, the entire athletic department that they schedule these games Pat plays. Pat has run this program with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, Bill, my son's going to 100% agree that I basically live my life with a chip on my shoulder. I'm always, you know, butthurt about whatever people are saying about whatever. And last weekend we were in Canton, you know, when they inducted, you know, number 10, you know, that's what, you know, one behind Ohio, you know, what four schools with, with more people. And that, and, you know, we're just, we still have people rolling in, (laughs) you know, so, um, you know, that's kind of my take is that, you know, maybe I don't know if that's the secret sauce. It's like if, if, if a recruit and, you know, I wasn't a recruit, you know, I, I was I was usually used as a tackling dummy uh, for, for practice when I, w- I was in school. But I was happy to, you know, be a participant, you know, if I, if I could, whatever. But I mean, if you go into 
you know, the pit program and you see, I, I never have a conversation with people this far away from Pittsburgh that don't say, Oh, he went to pit. Oh, he went to pit. Oh, he went to pit. And Oh, and by the way, look at last weekend's uh, results, even just with our rookies and in, in, in preseason and such, you know, making marks, uh, establishing themselves as potential starters. You know, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I just, you know, I beam with pride as to what we do almost in spite of the stack deck that is, is kind of out there in the, the current you know, climate for college football. I love Pitt. <laughs> I hope I'm, that that can be. I will cry. <laughs> I will cry right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, hey, you know what? Being a Pitt fan girds you for life. Look at it that way, right? I mean, it's like we don't, you know, it, it comes tough. You know, and 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 I mean, there is a bizarre but legitimate thread through there where it's like, yeah, you know, I, I rolled in here right as you're talking about just an absolute nightmare of experience where it's just like it, it's it's almost like a matter of pride. It's like, oh, my God, look at how we found a way to lose that game. So that brings me if I'm still allowed to ramble for a moment, the yeah. Sun Bowl this Please. past year, the Sun Bowl this past year was was. A microcosm. In fact, I invite you to look at the ESPN win probability. It, it is literally an ECG. You know, I think there's a flat line dead mark and then we're done. I mean, but but the fact if you were to consider that Pitt didn't play what eight guys, you know, whatever, right? Back up everybody. And and it was almost kind of a write-off. Yeah, yeah, they're probably not gonna pull this out, out of the fire. You know, only to take, you know, they've got a lead. Am I allowed to just keep going? Because I, I can't stop at this point. So I'm going to go with maybe 234 or whatever. You know? And, of course, Jared Wayne drops a sure touchdown, you know, who I just absolutely love. And then I pray, you know, he makes the Texans. You know, he's a great player. But it's just it just plops in his arms, of course. So on we go. It's field goals. Six-point lead. Uh, it, it's fourth down and one. And of course they fumble the snap. Of course they do, right? So here is uh, UCLA is out of timeouts. They burn all their timeouts, but of course they score a touchdown in a matter of you know what a, a minute, whatever. And in the process, Pitt burns its last two timeouts. It was just it couldn't be a more pity thing. In fact, Billy was in the bed. Thirty-four seconds to go. Uh, they just he, he, Billy's in the toilet. He said he was Pete taking a piss. He was probably <laughs> probably just vomiting. Whatever. They just, <laughs> they just scored. Well been there. Thirty-four seconds, and it's like it is now in in my head. It indelibly burned. Completion to Wayne. Going out of bounds, completion means as he's like catching it off of his head, whatever. Patty eludes a, a tackle that if he doesn't get a first down, he, he oh, I'm gonna start crying. But it's like, and then they freaking kick the I, I mean, I was just like, this, this is hilarious. I mean, this is you should be a pit fan for that. You want to just be entertained by college football? That was just freaking entertaining, you know. Elijah. I, I, Elijah, were you aware when you played for Pitt that you were playing for like a weird cursed program? <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, just because, you know, having been there, having been around for forever, like obviously my dad was a beat writer for the 
for the team. So like being closely involved with that, um, even like too, I think about like just like the trajectory, like that um, that game against Cincy where uh, we lost and had to uh, end up sharing the uh, the uh, uh, Big East uh, trophy. Like think about like if we don't just like if we don't lose that game, like once that probably stays around. Um, and, uh, like just me personally, um, because once that got fired, that brought in that whole new coaching staff, which brought, uh, Mac Lefwich uh, to NA, like, just like thinking about just stuff like that wow. like, even on, on that type of level, like, you know, it's just very interesting. So I, I definitely, you know, I remember watching Marty Gilliard run <laughs> towards the end zone, the kickoff return and just thinking to myself, like, man, this is, I'm just like, <laughs> Like I, I, I don't even remember how old I was, but I just remember thinking, like, man, this fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play for them. So, so <laughs> yeah. of, of all of these, who was at that game? Who was, I was in attendance of that game? Okay, so yeah, so, I was a dumb. I think it was in middle school because that was the age where I was like, oh, I don't need to wear boots. I don't need like an extra layer. Oh, I was so fucking cold, and it was okay at first, but me and my dad were sitting in the Cincinnati fan section, so. Oh. The tide quickly turned. I went from having a good time to being frostbitten and sad. It, well, that actually isn't even better. Forget the military bowl. It didn't have as much consequence, whatever. So, and I, I keep re, uh, referring back to, to, to Bill. So, so my, my city, you know, so I grew up Northern Hills of Pennsylvania going to pit wasn't such a big stretch, whatever, but, but my son you know, grew up in Minnesota he ended up, I, I would have fully expected at one point in time that he was going to say, Hey dad, guess what? I just got accepted to West Virginia. You know, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. Just a, just a no son of, of mine. Instead, instead he goes to, I mean, it just has created such a bond. Right. But the first game, the first game that we ever attended together in Heinz field, the first game I ever went to in Heinz field was that game. And so, um, I mean, it really was. It was the greatest game they ever played that they didn't win. And and there was a guy stand, standing in front of us who, you know, we told we told him we were from Minnesota, whatever. And, and he said to my son, hey, you're coming to school here, right? And he goes, yeah, there's no other place that I'd rather be. You know, or what? he said something to that effect. So if there was a positive ending of that, <laughs> you know, was that, you know, okay, you got one more loyal son, you know, that was gained that day. But. There really is something to be said about just at the end of the day, there's just something really special about it because that, that, that victory and all you guys were there, you know, in Charlotte, you know, two years ago when they ended up just curb stomping Wake Forest <laughs> and to have it be something actually easy and really enjoyable, whatever you, you savor the shit out of it because it really was, I mean, it was well-deserved and it was awesome. Who's, who's cutting onions? <laughs> we were all there, all five of us. I cried. I cried. I, I'm man enough to admit I freaking cried. You know? Rich, I, I have a recording. I'm gonna go try to find it. I was I was recording after I think half like a half baked idea was we were gonna release an episode of us just like talk, but it was just too insane after the game. But I did ask you where that stood, and you you told me you were like you took me through a whole long like I was there for this, this, and this, but yeah. this this is at the top. Like we were, we were on cloud nine walking yeah, out of Bank of America it, Stadium. One hundred percent, because those are those are rare events, and and that's that's the 
you know, management of expectations of, if you will, of that sort of thing. So, you know, having said that, you know, I mean that, you know, I, I think that there's, you know, good things ahead. I, I couldn't be more proud of the direction the program's headed and, and hoping that, you know, would be happy to and hoping to talk further in, you know, future episodes on this sort of stuff. And then we can get into some of the other minutiae about just the bizarre nature right. of this program. Of it, it is it is fascinating, you know, uh, fascinating material to say the least. Yeah, I, I think this is probably a, a good point to wrap it now that we're all a little bit misty eyed and yeah. not at all because I'm we're going crying. on an hour. But no, that it's it's a special thing to be a pit fan. Sometimes terrible, sometimes pretty damn cool. I assume it's cool to play for pit too, but whatever's ice. Uh, yeah, either yeah, way, yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you both so much for joining us today. Um, you will, you will both be back here. Um, whether it's your first appearance or you're like third or fourth or fifth, whatever. Um, so thank you both for joining us. But before, uh, we leave, uh, uncle Dick, can you hit us with a, a quick impromptu Dick bomb? So <laughs> hang, on, hang on. Well, I, I just got back. I told you from, from, a, I was actually at a, a high school reunion. I, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm in the midst of, I can't help myself, but to be, you know, an anti Penn state or sort of person, right. You know, from that standpoint. So, and I, and I may have repeated, but hold on. I want to make sure that I'm clear because I I had a Penn state fan who was debate, who, who doubted and, and, and we could probably corroborate this. You can, you know, send it to your special, you know, stats department, whatever. But since, uh, Penn State joined the Big Ten, so it's been 30 years, right? They are a combined 18 and 20 or 38 against uh, Ohio State, Michigan. So you know, I mean, that's what a 33 percent uh, win percentage. And in in the uh, James Franklin era, they have losing records against uh, Ohio State. They've beaten Ohio State once, Michigan three times, and Michigan State four times with a losing record against all of them. So that's eight and 19 combined. So, you know, I, I, I only say it for perspective because it's like, th- that's a program that thinks that they're just absolutely the, you know, the top of the top. And I, I don't know, you know, it's, I, I guess beating, I guess beating Rutgers in Maryland every year is a really big <laughs> accomplishment. Right. So <laughs> that was, I really liked that dick bomb. That made me feel good. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you to our literal best friend, Elijah Zeiss, the dog soldier, for joining us today. Great interview. Uh, Love having him around. Um, Before we close out, we will uh, give you guys some final thoughts presented by Guerrero Law. Uh, But before we give you some final thoughts, Squid, what is the best and worst thing to happen to you this week? Um, The best thing... Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I got to watch Steelers football. That was great. Uh, the worst thing is I am very, very sick, and I don't know what it is yet. So, oh, mm-hmm. wow that that is a high high and a low low. But Squid, as Frank Sinatra says, that's life. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes you're riding high off of a Kenny Pickett, you know two minute drill. And and sometimes you find yourself hurt or injured, or maybe you have mono. Um, 
in, in the latter case, maybe there's even circumstances uh, even greater weighing you down even greater. You know, maybe maybe the the legal system isn't helping you or you can't find a law firm uh, to provide you assistance and you, you can't cover your medical bills. Maybe your insurance company isn't treating you fairly. Uh, if you find yourself in that situation where you need help, call Guido and Guerrero Law. Uh, he will help turn your losses into an ACC championship win. Just go to GuerreroLaw.com. That's G-U-R-R-E-R-A-L-A-W.com. I almost spell it wrong every single time. It is right there in front of me. Uh, call Guido at 412-229-7757. He's licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio, and he is located right here in Pittsburgh. Proud Pitt grad. Uh, so having said all that, Squid, would you like to lead off with your final thought? Yeah. Like I said, the high of the week was watching Steelers football. I had not been this excited for a Steelers preseason game since last year. But prior to that, it had been a very, very, very long time since I was actually excited for a Steelers preseason game. And we got one drive of Kenny Pickett, even better than my wildest dreams could have been. Looked real sharp, real sharp. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to get my hopes up this year. Like I already threw twenty bucks on Kenny for MVP, which will pay like six hundred. I threw a bet on a uh, over four and a half receiving touchdowns for George Pickens, which feels criminally low. But I don't know what Vegas is. I mean, Vegas might be looking at the numbers from last year. Fans are going to look at Kenny only threw what seven touchdowns last year. We all know Kenny's going to throw for like 40 this year, and George Pickens is probably going to catch about 20 of them. But yeah, that yeah. line felt criminally low. I think I'd put a mortgage payment on that. Yeah, I, I put a nice little deposit. I can't, I'm excited to see that come back to my bank account, like probably by week four, if we're being honest. Yeah, I wouldn't even call that a deposit. That's just an investment. Like, you like know, you're going to get a return on it. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, Safe as can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't wait. Kenny's looking sharp. And uh, Sean Clifford threw two picks in his preseason game, including a pick six. But Oh, that that's unfair. You wouldn't care, compare LeBron James to the, the worst player on your Sunday night pickup league team. You're right. Like, I shouldn't do Two that. different worlds. Yeah, you're right. Um, my final thought, so huge news coming out of the pit athletic sphere this week. Alliance 412 ran by Chris Bickle, obviously Pitt's preferred NIL collective, announced a team-wide deal for the football team. And I think this is the biggest step Pitt has made since, I mean, not think, this is absolutely the biggest step Pitt has taken since NIL legislation was passed back in 2021. Pitt now has a deal rumored to be seven figures across the team, which would average out to each of the players on the team making, or each of the scholarship players making $10,000 or more. It's a tiered system. I believe they said three tiers. So some guys, I'm guessing upperclassmen get paid a little more. Um, But this is a big deal that Pitt can now present yeah. this to on the recruiting trail. Um, I, I think bigger than anything or just as big as anything is this shows pit fans that they're very serious about NIL and competing in this landscape. Cause I think a lot of pit fans were 
kind of skeptical of like if Pitt was really doing all they could to be competitive in the world of NIL. And this is a pretty big step in the right direction. Yeah, I think another big thing is sure we might not be the Texas A&M, Texas, Alabama offering millions of dollars to recruits, but Pitt's NIL NIL efforts look extremely organized and it's off to a great start. There's so many horror stories about kids going to college, being promised NIL money and getting nothing close to that. So I'm glad to see that Pitt might have taken a minute, but we're in a real good spot now to where players can come, don't have to worry about a lot of the stuff off the field. They'll be taken care of. And then it seems like the whole team's happy about it. I don't imagine this being uh, a case where people are looking at each other's pockets, who's getting more. Pitt's in a good spot right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that this is the most significant decision development to come out of the Pitt Athletics Department since we switched back to the the royal blue and yellow. Like this is, we can't understate how big this is. Um, This wasn't the only announcement though. The the Oakland Originals announcement also came out a couple days before. That was the one that got teased um, to hell and back by uh by alliance form two and there were a lot of people that said like well that kind of felt like a letdown especially compared to how significant um the team deal is but honestly i think people are overlooking how big of a deal oakland originals could be it is a marketing department dedicated to pit student athletes like like yes the team deal is huge that's what all the big time programs are doing right now in the nil landscape but like oakland originals is basically like teaching Amanda fish as opposed to the team deal, which is giving Amanda fish, right? Like, like 10 grand plus per player, huge. But if you're getting these kids in the position where they can market their brand directly to companies that have deeper pockets outside of, you know, Alliance 412, just collecting donations, um, they could make some serious money off of that, you know, both as a college athlete and then take those skills beyond so i i think pit fans just because they love to bitch are really underestimating how big of a deal oakland originals could be for this program yeah we were at the initial press conference the night before the announcement to just uh be briefed about it uh had to sign an nda felt very official that's so cool of us we we left that talking about it and you can dive deep into what this means for pit athletics moving forward the opportunities how it's going to work with recruiting as an additional pitch to have. But I think the biggest thing is it makes Pitt look cool and it helps the image of Pitt. If Pitt has a bunch of guys, girls, student athletes of all sports, they can all use this to increase their platform. Uh, They can have shows. They can reach all kinds of partnerships. If there's all kinds of Pitt influencers out there, that's a big deal. High schoolers look at that. They're like, oh, Pitt's that place where all those tiktok stars go to i don't know if the old folks will like that but yeah well it, it elevates Pitt as a brand Pitt isn't lame like oh they're that school with weird colors now we have the royal blue and gold it's the same way it helps the brand yeah i, I think squid you and i talked about it afterwards and i don't think it that point resonates as much with the older uh pit fans because they're like uh well, like, who cares if this kid has 500,000 followers on Instagram. Well, 
all their all the kids who follow that athlete and now look up to him and now Pitt is on their page on the on their phone that they're scrolling day in and day out. Um, yeah, I, it could be a really big deal for Pitt growing as a brand and being a cool school to go to, a cool school yeah. to strive to be a part of. Um, you know, as, as opposed to like, let's think when you're a little kid, what are what are the schools that or when we were a little kid? I mean, like Ohio State was always Oregon like, was a cool Oregon one and was a big one with the jersey. It was all because of you. Yeah. Uniforms. Yeah. Uniforms. So it's like little things like that, that, OK, to an older pit fan, they're like, there's no real tangible like benefit there um, or that they can see right in front of them. But there's there's long term benefits of just building the brand of pit athletes. Um, that could be a big deal. So, yeah, all around. Great job by Alliance for yeah. Chris Bickle. I mean, he'll have a statue or a stadium named after him at some point. Mm-hmm. A stadium uh, on campus. Uh, but he's we've got a pretty good crew leading the charge here for for pit athletes. Not to mention part of this whole thing with Alliance for Two is they're finally accepting donations from. Uh, people outside of like the three billionaires that give the school money. So that feels significant. So if you're listening to this, go give Pitt your money. Stop being a piece of shit. Give Pitt your money. Like 20 bucks a month. I don't care. Be be a good, good little fan. Uh, also, yeah. side note, Oakland Originals should just have the women's soccer team teach a class on social media uh, and just how to get a 100,000 followers and make a bunch of money off of that because they seem to already be like pretty covered in that department. Cool. So uh, my final thought, way less relevant and pressing than your guys' final thoughts. Um, this is about Ohio University football. Maybe we uh, could have saved uh, Lions 412 for last, but like we give David his final thought. We all get our own final thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Move forward. All final thoughts are equal. Yes. Except for this one, which sucks way worse. Um, yeah. Uh, former OU quarterback Nathan Rourke had the most insane play in a preseason game in the history of football. Um, and it made me very happy because uh, he came from the Canadian Football League after college. And now he's going viral. And also his little brother is OU's starting quarterback. And one of the podcasts I listened to said that he has a chance to sneak in to that number three spot in the NFL draft behind Drake may and Caleb Williams. Uh, so if you're getting bored on Tuesday and Wednesday nights, when Pitt isn't playing, I've got a team for you in Athens, Ohio, that is going to be lighting up the scoreboard and have two guys playing quarterback in the NFL in the next couple of years. I'm just saying, why are you trying to divert attention from Pitt? I said Tuesday and Wednesday nights. What are you doing on Tuesday and Wednesday night? Watching film of Pitt's next opponent. All right. We'll get whatever. We'll we'll tune in some action. We can Thank revisit you. this. We can revisit this during the season. All right. Love it. Well, fellas, Sunday night, Squid's damn near on his deathbed. I think it's time to call it a night, but uh Football's almost here, fellas. Just about three weeks. We can do this. I promise we can get there. As always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.
And that's going to do it here for the Loyal Sun Show, the incredibly handsome and talented Dylan, David, and Squid are signing off. Until next time, Panther fans, H2P.